All right. Good morning. Come on, how many of you love Jesus today? All right, it's good to see you. So good. Uh, Easter Sunday, uh, what a wonderful, what a wonderful morning we're having. First of all, um, a little bit ago, I just came over from our grand opening. This is kind of family stuff, but our grand opening from our North Campus, and they are full of people getting ready for another service a little later. Can we just clap and tell them that they're doing a great job up there and such a good thing? All right, so uh, those of you who I do not know, uh, I'm Pastor Doug. Thanks for being here today. Now, I'm, I'm a super transparent guy, um, and I, I'm really open. So I'm going to start out this morning with a confession because I, I, I need you to know, on my way here, I forgot my glasses, so the people who wear glasses understand my plight. So I borrowed glasses from a girl. Because I, I, I am secure in who I am on Easter. He is risen. Okay, now. So the other thing is that before I put them on, before I put them on, um, I have a very large noggin. So these are going to look like I took them off a doll. Perhaps on my face, and uh, we'll see how this goes. It'll be fine, okay? But what you're going to do to make me feel good is I'm going to put them on, and you're going to clap. <laughs> They're sort of hipster, I guess. I don't know. I'm a little old for hipster now, but here we go. Come on, people. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. This is robot. You look like thousands. It's just, it's amazing. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it's good to see you. Good to see you this morning. Thanks for being here on Easter. Uh, welcome to the Pearl Church. Uh, I'm going to speak this morning uh, on a story that is not really well known. I mean, you, you might know it if you read the Bible, you've been around church. A little different of a story. Most people don't actually know that this story happened on Easter. So even if you've, even if you've heard the story, uh, even if you've heard it preached, perhaps, unless you read it, you wouldn't maybe know that it happened on Easter. Uh, and I'll, I'll get back to that in just a second. The other thing I'm doing this morning is I'm gonna read from a new translation of the Bible that came out about a year and a half ago. So you won't have it in your Bible if you have them this morning. Uh, this is called the Passion Translation. And uh, you know there are many translations of the Bible now. I typically preach from the NIV. Uh, but look, unless you speak fluent classical Greek, they're all good to me. Amen? It's all the word of God. Uh, but I, I, I like this because of how the Passion Translation talks about this particular story. So the story is about two guys um, that walked a dirt road on their way home to their place of business, a road called, uh, a place that went uh, to a place called Emmaus. Now here's what happens, okay? So Jesus, the, the resurrection story, most of us know what happens. Jesus resurrects and uh, the stones rolled away and then Mary shows up. And Mary finds him gone, and then two angels arrive, and they say, why are you looking for the, the uh, living among the dead? All right, classic resurrection. And then they go and they tell Peter, and then Peter runs. You guys, you guys are going to laugh. You guys are going to think this is the funniest thing ever. Are you glad you're here this morning? I want to thank you for serving the Lord this morning. No, I'm not the Lord. I didn't mean that. That was a horrible thing to say. I just meant, you know, being a general servant in the kingdom of God. Oh, wow, there we go. Oh, now the, the crowd just shrunk. That's okay. That's all right. 
So, so Peter and John, Peter and John, they, they run. Don't, don't act like you haven't done that, okay? <laughs> I've seen some of you look for your glasses and they're on your head. That's worse, okay? They're like up here. So Peter shows up. Nobody's there, right? Okay, so then somebody posed the question one time, where was he? Where did he go when he disappeared from the tomb? Well, if you read the story in Luke, Luke 24, he actually shows up someplace right outside of Jerusalem walking on a dirt road. And that's what most people don't don't understand about the story. Jesus came out of the grave. How many of you know he wasn't just floating around wondering what to do? He actually had a plan. He actually had a, 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 a very specific design of how he wanted that first, you know, few days, really up to 40 days, how he wanted that to go. So he shows up on a dirt road. He's walking along the dirt road, and there's two guys there, and uh, they are headed home. And he, and he has a conversation with these two men about what just happened with somebody named Jesus. And he doesn't tell them who he is. And he walks with them about three hours uh, or so, and the journey was seven miles from where he joined them to uh, Emmaus, where they lived. And what I'm going to do today, just for context, is I'm going to read the whole story. So it's going to take me just about a minute, minute and a half. I'm going to read the story because I, I think that it's important that we have the context before I give you some of my thoughts. So here I go. I'm going I'm to read the story to you today. You can follow along. Um, if we have it there, but Jesus walks to Emmaus. Later that Sunday, two of Jesus' disciples, now I want you to just notice that these were not two of the 12 disciples, they were a part of the bigger group, so they may have been a part of the 70. So all through the story, I love this, they're actually talking like they're one of them, they're one of the disciples, but they're not one of the 12. Two of the disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a journey of about seven miles, and they were in the midst of a discussion about all the events in the last few days. Now in the Greek, that word discussion actually reads better if it was to say they were having a debate. They were having an argument. They were having a debate, a heated debate about what just happened. Because if you just follow Jesus, he got crucified, and then he rose from the dead, and somebody went to find his body, and he was gone, and you're leaving the resurrection area, and you're headed home, you would be having a debate as well. I don't know if any of you married people have ever had a long car ride and a long talk to go with it, amen? So these two guys are just walking and they're having this heated debate about what just happened. They're trying to figure it out. They were in the midst of discussion about what happened in the last few days and then Jesus just walked up and accompanied them in their journey. They were unaware that it was Jesus walking alongside them for God prevented them from recognizing him. And then Jesus said to them, well, you seem to be in a deep discussion about something, How many of you know Jesus knew what it was? And this is kind of the theme, right? So Jesus knows everything that's going on here, but he's trying to draw something out of of these two guys. He says, you're having a big discussion about something. What are you talking about so sad and gloomy? And they stopped, and one of them named Cleopas answered, haven't you heard? Now, in the story, they name Cleopas, but the other guy stays unnamed. So they stopped. Cleopas said, haven't you heard? Are you the only one in Jerusalem that doesn't know what's going on? And he's talking to Jesus. Jesus said, you know, what things? Here it is, what, you know, what things? The things about Jesus. The man from Nazareth, they they replied, he was a mighty prophet of God who performed miracles and wonders and his words were powerful and they had great, he had great favor with God and the people. 
But three days ago, they, the rulers, they took him, they sentenced him to death, and they crucified him. And Well, you know, we were all kind of hoping that he was the one who would redeem and rescue Israel. But early in the morning, some of the women informed us that, some, that two angels appeared and told them that he was alive. And then uh, we sent some of us there to see for ourselves. They found it empty, just like they said. So Jesus said to them, why are you so thick-headed? And so here's a guy. They don't know who he is. And they don't know... They don't know he's God, they don't know he's Jesus, and they think he's the only one in Jerusalem that doesn't know what's going on. And then he kind of says to them, why are you so thick-headed? And he says, didn't you know that this is exactly what needed to happen? So now all of a sudden, he's telling them, why are you so thick-headed? Why can't you just believe all the prophets? And so you can imagine how awkward the walk got really fast. And then he carefully, verse 27 he begins to exegetically, theologically go through every single verse in the Bible that which should tell them that he is actually Jesus. Now, at seven miles, at walking speed, that talk that Jesus gave them probably took about two and a half hours. So in other words, they are taken so off guard, they don't know what is going on, they made one very nice comment to some strange gentleman. They, he acted like he didn't know what was going on. And now for two and a half hours, he is reciting scripture to them that should point them to he is actually Jesus. And they still don't get it. How, how, it's like they put a quarter into Jesus and they got two and a half hours worth. They were in shock. So he carefully unveiled to them the revelation about himself. Verse 28, as they approached the village, Jesus walked on ahead telling the man, I gotta go to a distant place. But they urged him and pleaded with him, please stay, it's gonna be dark soon. And so Jesus went with them into the village, joining them at the table for supper. He took the bread, he broke it, he gave it to them, and then their eyes were opened and they realized it was Jesus. So somehow at the meal, at the table, where he's breaking bread, for some reason, God allowed their eyes to be opened right there. Their eyes were opened, and suddenly, in a flash, Jesus vanished from before their eyes, and stunned, they looked at each other and said, why didn't we recognize that it was him? But didn't our hearts burn with the flames of holy passion? And this morning, I wanna talk about, just for a few minutes, on the subject of didn't our hearts burn. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today. I do pray for uh, just your presence here. It's so powerful, so tangible. We are grateful today for all that you have done for us. We are thankful today on Easter Sunday that you came from the grave, which made every single statement that you ever made, every promise that you gave to humanity true. If you had to come out of the grave, it would have made you a liar, but you did. And more than 500 people witnessed it just in the first few hours and first few days. And I, I'm so grateful today, Jesus, for what you've done in my life. How you have walked on my road with me. And Father, this morning, I know that all of us are on a road and you are walking with us. And so whether we're in the first mile or the seventh mile, or maybe we're even around the table having a meal with you, whatever point in the journey we're on, 
you are with us while we have our debates, while we have our revelation, while we try to tell you what it is we think you should know. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And we're grateful, Jesus, in your precious name. And everybody said, amen. So here are these, here are these two guys walking. And um, some people have said, why is this even in the Bible? Why did, they, why did Jesus see to it to put it there? What is significant about this story is that while they're walking, they're having a debate about the resurrection. Did it happen? Did it not? What do you think of Mary? Did angels show up? And they're walking. They're going to have a seven-mile debate. What is significant is that Jesus shows up on this road with them, and these are the first two men in human history recorded in the Bible other than the resurrection event itself with Mary. They're the first two people in human history who have the resurrection behind them, and now they're going on with their life. Following Christ, number one, is about the resurrection. But it's, The resurrection is not about what's behind you. It's about what the resurrection means for what's in front of you. And Jesus shows up on the road with them because he doesn't want them to be having the debate alone. Jesus wants to have the debate with them. He wants to bring something out of them so that they can recognize him for who he is. He doesn't want to convince them. He doesn't want to just beat them up with scripture knowledge. He wants them to have a revelation that doesn't come from the head, but it comes from their heart that burns when they find out they feel this thing, they're next to somebody. But the resurrection is really about what's ahead of us. I'm grateful for the resurrection in my life. I'm grateful. But I'm more grateful when I live now. I'm, I'm going to tell you how old I am, and I know that all of you think I'm younger than I'm, what I'm going to say, because I just know you. And... Uh, so I am going to be 50 years old in, in uh, about a year. I'm 49. My birthday's in a week. I'm going to be 50 years old. That's right. The 50s are the new teens. And, um, and so, <laughs> it's, uh, trust me, it's not true. I played basketball yesterday with my son for an hour and a half. And uh, yeah, that was a mistake. Thank God I believe in healing. All right. So, so here are these two men. The, the, the resurrection is like, it's like the epicenter of of an earthquake under the ocean. Now, you know, coming from the islands, I'm from Hawaii originally, on every beach that you go to, there's a sign that talks about what do you do during a tsunami. Now, if you're lucky enough, if you're lucky enough, you're gonna be close to the earthquake in the ocean because the wave is gonna be small. But the farther away that you get from the epicenter, the larger the wave gets and the more devastating it is. These two men were like the very first ripple in the earthquake of the resurrection. And now you and I, we're here today, we're the tsunami, come on, right? We're the tsunami, we're the people that get to look back and see what the first ripple looked like. It's significant because Jesus showed up in the ripple with them so that we would know that regardless of how, what we think or what our debate is like or what life is gonna be or what kind of disappointment we had because we thought Jesus was gonna lead us and we were gonna, you know, Israel was gonna, gonna rule, regardless of what's happening how many of you know he just wanted you to know that he's with you? That's why this is significant. Jesus is going along and he, he walks with them and he talks about the past, but then he, he walks with them into their future. So the resurrection is not about just what's behind, what behind us. It's really about what's in front of us. Number two, Jesus is walking is uh, working uh, in them. Even when you don't know that it's him working, he's there. He was there even though they didn't know it. This morning in the North Campus, my son with one of his friends, he got to put on an Easter bunny suit. And um, 
I, I, I gotta tell you, my son is an extrovert anyway, but when you give him an opportunity to conceal his identity, I won't even claim him. Like, I don't even want him to take the bunny hat off until he gets home. I don't want anyone to know. He went, I think he scared people away from church in the bunny outfit, all right? So people are talking to my son, he's dancing and doing stuff, and, and, I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, nobody knows it's him, thank the Lord. No, they're having a great time. But, but he, he was concealed this morning. Christ, even though you don't know that it's him, even though he is concealed in your journey, he's still working. But not to get you to see him in your head, but to feel him in your heart. When I was a kid, I didn't know Jesus was working on me. But he was. When I grew up, grew up as a child, one of the things, this is one little story, my, in, in my house, we never went to church. We didn't know God. We didn't talk about God. But, and, and I didn't think about this. But when I was a kid, there was always a Bible in my house. And you know, every once in a while as a kid, I'd, I'd knock the dust off it because it was almost like my mom dusted everything but the Bible. And then one day I become a Christian, I pick up the Bible and I open it up. I, there's a Bible in my house. Wait a minute, I've seen this Bible my whole life. And I open it up and, and it's underlined. And then you become a Christian, you get a Bible, you realize you only underline things if God is speaking to you. And then I went, was God speaking to my mom? Was my mom a Christian? And why did my mom leave this Bible out in my house my entire childhood? Was she deep inside of her heart hoping that maybe I would pick it up and read it? Because even though she wasn't serving God anymore, she somehow deep in her spirit knew that, that she wished I would because she put everything away but the Bible, people. I mean, everything. There was things get put away all the time, but that Bible never moved. How many of you know that was God concealed in the journey on the road. My mom's road actually affected me. I didn't know. I didn't know that one day I would go home and pick that up and start looking for every verse that was underlined and realize that now that my mom has rededicated her life and she's a Christian, that God was working in me even when I didn't know it. Forget all my other friends who prayed for me and wanted me to go to youth group and tried to get me, you know, because I was kind of a bad kid in a sense, you know. I guess, is there a sense of that? I, I wasn't a great kid. Um, I was the kid that all your youth groups were praying for. Amen, it worked. Um, and so, so here, you know, here, here I am walking this journey, and I'm thinking to myself, all of these people along the way, and I'll tell you a story about him here as I close in just a minute. But he's working. Jesus is working even when you don't know it's him. And then they, Cleopas kind of speaks up, and he says, haven't you heard, right? Have you ever, have, have you ever seen, uh, have you ever seen, oh, what's it called, Lyft Cab? Lyft Cab, okay, you, how many of you know what Lyft is? Uber and Lyft, right? Okay, so Lyft Cab is where they take a really famous person and they put them in a cab, in a car. And the famous person goes to pick somebody up. Now, some of them are really funny, and I've watched them all year, but the funniest one is they took Shaquille O'Neal, and they put him in a, in a lift cab. And it's like your personal car. So I swear to you, I don't know what the car was. It was like the smallest car they could find on purpose. It was like a Fiat or something. Honestly, he, he, 
when he's gone, they will bury him in a coffin bigger than a fiat. You know what I'm saying? 385 pounds, you know, almost seven feet tall. It's Shaquille O'Neal. And he goes to pick people up in the cab. And, and they, they put wigs on him. So every time, he, every time he picks somebody up, they put a different wig on him. So one time it was like this French guy with this swoop over and they threw a scarf around his neck. And then the next time, you know, he was like an island, he had this giant afro and he talked like he was from Jamaica. And then the next, next time he had like a, a little bow tie on with glasses and a little hat and he was trying to convince him he was like a computer programmer or something. But how many of you know if you're sitting in a Fiat with Shaquille O'Neal, you should know it's him, right? So they're, they're going along in the car and he puts on this French hat and, um, and he, this lady gets in, and he tries to talk with a French accent to her. And then she, busts, she, she goes off in French. <laughs> so she says something in French. And, uh, and then he just looks at her and turns his head and goes, I don't speak French. It's funny because, again, this, this concealed identity thing that's going on here is actually really, in a sense, it's kind of it's humorous. Because the guy says to him, hey, haven't you heard of Jesus? Don't you know what's going on? You know, Shaq in the car is like, who's the, who's the best big man in basketball history? And they're like, you know, whoever. Who's your favorite player? Kobe Bryant. He almost ran the car into a wall when she said Kobe Bryant. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, so hey, what, what, do you, what do you think? And so... They're like, haven't you heard of Jesus? I mean, Jesus was a powerful prophet. Jesus was a really good guy. Jesus was a, um, he, he was favored by God and God liked him a lot. Something in that conversation when, when Cleo said this got Jesus going. Because how many of you know number three? Jesus just didn't have favor with God. Jesus was God. It would be like, it'd be like talking to Shaquille about Shaquille, about how he always missed his free throws. And he's, you know, and he's Shaquille. You know, he wasn't just a favored by God, he, he was God. So these two men were about to have a revelation that God cared so much about them that he himself was going to walk on the road with them. He wasn't going to send an emissary. So Jesus actually walked with them. God incarnate walked with them. No matter what happens in my life, I know that, that I've got friends around me and I've got people who love me, but I need Jesus more than I need anybody else. I need him to talk to me. I need him to walk with me. I need him to ha have my debates and, and talk to me about my disappointments in life. I need Jesus. I need God in my car with me. I need him to walk with me. And, and when I'm crying or weary or tired or, or I have vision, don't know how it's going to happen, I need God to walk with me. He, he wasn't just a good prophet. He wasn't just a good man. He actually was God because he said he was God. And when he got out of the grave, he proved it. So they're going along. And uh, what Jesus is wanting to do, especially, you know, when he started going through the scriptures, can you imagine hours of just listening to Jesus. I, I, I would have loved to hear it maybe in heaven. You know, we'll get to replay it or something. But they're walking with these two guys. When, when Jesus got to Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, the entire prophet, the whole book is pointing people to who Jesus is. Scripture after scripture after scripture, and they still didn't quite get it. 
But Jesus is always working to get us to recognize him, number four, in our lives. And then something really cool happens. They get to uh, the town. They get close, and uh, they approach the village, and Jesus kind of went on ahead of them, right? So here they are. They've been walking. They just got a two-hour talk about Scripture. Maybe it got awkward, however it went. And then they get to the village, and Jesus says to them, hey, guys, um, I got to go. And so he walks ahead of them like he's going to leave. And something happens inside of the hearts of the two men. Because they're like, no, 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 it's, it's, it's getting dark outside. You don't want to go now. Come stay with us. Come have a meal with us. Come hang out with us. You don't, you don't want to go right now. How many of you know it's Jesus in a resurrected bo- body. He doesn't care if it's dark outside. Right? He's not afraid of robbers. Right? And so Jesus, but he acted in a sense. He acted like he heard them. And he said, okay, I'll stay. Jesus didn't act like he was leaving because remember in a minute when they realize who it is, he vanishes before their eyes. But here he just says to them, I gotta go and he begins to walk away. He didn't walk away because he wanted them to feel lonely. He walked away because he wanted them to have the emotion of, of whoever you are, I can't live without you. So Jesus just began to walk so that they could feel that separation anxiety of seeing the natural Jesus, even though they don't know who he is, he's walking, and they just begin to desperately cry out, no, you've got to stay, it's dark outside. He wants us to feel in our hearts that we can't live without him. When when Donna and I were first dating, um, before we had declared, uh, you know, declare, declared our love, right, before we declared it, we hadn't had the DTR. You know, uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, that is, <laughs> that's because all of you had them define the relationship. We hadn't had our DTR yet. But I was, I was, in, I was in love. One night after a young adult meeting, we were, we had to leave because I had a curfew. So I'm 23 years old. I had the first curfew in my life. That is a whole nother sermon. I call it caged animal, okay? So I had a a curfew, and I struggled with the curfew more than anything in my Christianity. That was my cross. But, you know, I've got 45 minutes left. Donna's leaving the group, and she's going to go home, and and we're going to go to Red Robin, right? And so she's walking away, and I just started to come up with any plan that I could come up with to get her to stay and go to Red Robin with us. She's getting in her, in her car, and, and uh, it was an ugly car. It was a horrible car. It was the first car we had in our marriage. No joke. It was, it was a Toyota Starlet. I know you don't know what it is. It was a Toyota Starlet, the smallest car Toyota ever made. It was a nasty color brown, and I could sit in the middle, put my arms out both windows and open both doors and shut them at the same time. I used to do it as a party trick, okay? And so, and, and the license plate, the license plate was system, S-Y-S, 6 xx All right, so I don't know. Um, she gets in her car to drive away, and finally I got her convinced to stay, to go hang out with us, because I, there was something happening inside of me 
my heart was on fire. I was in love. And I would have done anything to spend one more hour with her, break my curfew, which I did. And then I had like bathroom duty, clean the bathroom for an extra week. But it was worth it, people. Okay? All right? It was worth it. These two men are now experiencing the product of God's love being so close. They don't know what it is yet, but they feel it. So he wants us to recognize it. Number five, he wants us to recognize that we can't live without him. And number six, he wants to have a relationship with you. So here's what Jesus does. Jesus turns around and goes, okay, guys, I'll tell you what. I could stay for a little while. I mean, it is getting dark outside, and uh, it would be safer, you know, for me to stay here because you obviously, you, you can't quite admit that it's me because at this point, they're struggling to admit what's going on. Jesus had been walking on this road with him for a few hours, seven miles away, walking through the debate with him. I want to tell you what I did. I want to tell you that I did this week. I was really convicted about this. This wasn't for the sermon. This wasn't for a message. This was, this was for me and what God did in my life. I went all the way back to when I was a little kid and I made a list of every single person that had walked with me from the time I was a child, even if it was for one day, that contributed to my road to where I am now. Every person who was a Christian, every person who invited me to church, every person who was there when I was having my most difficult moments, and I didn't count, but I had maybe had 15 or 16 of them, and you know, I reached out to every single one of them to say thank you this week. And the reactions that I got, literally I was in my office, tears pouring down my face when I realized that some of them aren't even serving God anymore. Some of them were offended with a church or a pastor or whatever because maybe they had seen the person uh, as the church instead of Jesus as the church and so they were, they were running from God. I, I gotta tell you, tears pouring down my face when I realized that I get to return the favor and I get to walk on their road with them during their debate. He just wants to be a part of your journey. But he wants you to realize who he is. So they're sitting at the table, right? They're having a table and they break the bread. And some people say, well, that bread's like communion. It's a picture of communion. No, it's not. Communion's done. The big point of communion in the Eucharist is over. The 12 guys at the table break the bread. This is my body. Remember me when you break bread. There's a traitor at the table. Do what you must do quickly, Judas. And you know, when you drink the wine and I gotta go to the cross, I gotta go to the grave, I gotta raise it. And do you know that that's all finished? When you read it in the original language, it basically says that Jesus, who didn't have to be there, he literally went to eat with them because he just wanted to have relationship. He wasn't trying to make a big point. He wasn't trying to have the last supper with them. He just wanted to laugh and eat and and have have a, a, a relationship based on love. He just wants You and I, we're the tsunami. He just wants us to experience his love. That's it. He doesn't want us to be bound by the law, pre-cross, and everything's got to be in order and all this stuff. It's all done. It's all in the past today. He just wants us to know that, that he loves you. He wants to walk with you. 
He wants to help you with every question that you've ever had. And he wants you to know that he has a great plan for all of us to be a part of what he's doing. We're all a part of this tsunami together. A tsunami of Jesus' love that started on a Sunday, the day of the resurrection, and there's two men. They were the first ripple. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. And the resurrection is behind you. It's really about what's in front of you. It's the source. It's the moment. It's the epicenter. And it's love. As I close, will you stand with me? And let's pray this morning. And let's ask God to bless us and strengthen us and to walk with us. And as you stand, I want you to close your eyes. And, you know, as we do in church, and bow your head just for a moment. And I want you to just... Uh, Give me about 30 seconds here to, um, to pray with you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today, and I'm so grateful for all that you're doing. We're grateful, Father, for the resurrection. We're grateful for Sunday. We're grateful, Father, for all that it meant. And with that, when people, when people remind me of my past, Father, I, I don't think of my mistakes. I think of the resurrection. That's my past. <laughs> I love you, Jesus. I pray for every debate in every heart, every question in every mind. I pray for every disappointment like Cleopas had when he thought that they were gonna have a revolution, but instead Jesus went to the grave. Lord, I pray for every heart, every broken thing, every part of us that needs you, every question. I pray for every single, every single emotion as we are close to you, Jesus. And the Bible says, didn't their hearts burn? Didn't our hearts burn when we knew we were walking with him? That's how it closes. And today, Jesus, in our hearts, we know it's you and we love you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you need to pray and just say, Jesus, thank you for walking on this road with me. Maybe you've been broken. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been debating. Maybe it's been a long seven miles for you. Maybe it's been a long walk for you. But Jesus wants you to know He's not here to judge any of us. He's really just here to sit at our table and love us and strengthen us. If you're here today and you know that Jesus is on the walk with you and it's been tough, I want to pray for you as I close. If you need Jesus in a more strategic, wonderful way in your life, we lift your hands quickly around the room. Let me pray for you. Thank you. There's hands all around the room today. Uh, just one more second. If you need Jesus, if you need a revelation, if you want to see him for who he is on that road, lift your hands as we close. How beautiful are these hands. All right, church, pray this with me. Say, Father, thank you, Jesus, for this road. And today, you've opened my eyes, and I see you for who you are. Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful for your promises. And today, I give you everything. Thank you, Father, for forgiving me and walking with me into my purpose. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life, and I love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, church, can you give Jesus a big round of applause today? And uh, I'm going to hand the microphone right back to Pastor Asim.